1: To another episode of Entrepôt. I'm Nathan Hill, and you're listening live on Full Service Radio in the Line Hotel at Adams Morgan. Entrepôt is an interview series concerned with art and design and how the two intersect. Each week, I talk with fellow creatives about their craft, providing us with a unique perspective into a variety of fields. I'm joined today by Colin Bills, a lighting and set designer based here in D.C. Colin is a company member at Woolly Mammoth Theater. His designs have been seen at Ford's Theater, the Kennedy Center, the Dallas Theater Center, the Royal Opera of Versailles the Portland Center Stage, the Studio Theater, and the list goes on. Colin is a recipient of three Helen Hayes Awards for his work and a Princess Grace Fellowship in theater. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, it's good to be here. Um, so I, I read off a, a bunch of stuff here, but it's like you've got a lot more happening. Um, so I don't know if you want to add something else that I skipped in kind of like where you, your work has been seen, your designs, and then we'll dive into lighting. Sure.
0: Uh, I have... I've designed, at this point, at every theater in Washington, D.C. that, has a, that actually has a building. Right. Um, which is pretty cool. That is very cool. Uh, and, um, and lighting is yeah. important. Lighting, oh, it's critical.
1: So I think, you know... You need to uh, yeah. turn off the lights you can't see. <laughs> right, exactly. I, you know, I, uh, I've always... I was excited because um, when I was first concepting um, this show, I had a list of the types of people that I wanted and lighting and set design was, was on the, the top because I was like, no one has talked about this. Like, for me, and especially in design and, and my field, like, it's it's very important, especially like in
0: architecture and things like that. And so, anyway, I thought it was exciting when, when you were like, yeah, I'll do this. Well, sure, and and you said nobody talks about it because it's difficult to talk about life. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to do a little warm-up here. Okay. Okay? So I would like for you to describe to me the light outside this morning. The light outside this morning. From memory. From memory. Don't look out that window. Don't look out the window. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I, a complete contrast from last night. Um, Good. Uh, very, very bright. Um, are you talking about color or light? Uh, you, up All to of you. It. You describe it. Um, yellow everywhere. Okay. Like, that's just what I see. Mm-hmm. I feel yellow, um, some orange, but really it's yellow,
0: bright, and clean and clear. That's there you what go. They, okay. Crisp. That's, yes, that's I mean it. that's exactly what I was thinking this morning, and um, because of the storm, the light actually had a lot of movement. The okay, shadows were moving mm-hmm. all over the place. It was active. Okay, like how do you? I mean, light was active. Yeah, that's not something. How does that? that? Say, yeah. yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know. But if I say light is active, that's a very it. It kind of gives you a lot of things to think about. Your brain starts to percolate. Mm-hmm. So, talking about light is, it's. Something you have to practice doing, and something I have to practice doing, and something mm-hmm. I have to do every day. So I try to start my day looking at whatever the light is that day outside.
1: Okay. And what if it's a really like shitty, gloomy? Day?
0: Yeah, I just it's <laughs> fucking gloomy. I'm glad you swore first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, I like custom, so, so we're allowed to do that. Um, yeah, gloomy's fine, and associating mm. it with a mood mm. is critical if you're going to take it and put it on stage and actually have it convey meaning Mm -hmm. because it's all meaning that, uh, you get, uh, subconsciously and unconsciously, I guess. Um, so something you feel not
1: necessarily see. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of that stuff in graphic design too. There's things that we do that is, is felt, um, at least that's the goal and not seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. when you get to
0: successful. Right. Yeah. And, and there is, um, we're probably jumping ahead of your questions at this point, but there's, there's something about um, a lighting design in theater that's noticed, mm-hmm. that is sometimes good, and sometimes not good. I mean, if you notice that it's bad, that's definitely not good. Um, but if it draws too much attention to itself, it's actually... Um, it's taking away the attention from the action on stage. I see. I mean, sometimes you want to notice, like, the lights go out. There's a thunderclap and lightning. Like, sometimes right. you want to notice that, but you want to notice that in conjunction with the way the action is on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a collaborative, it's highly collaborative. You know, light, the physics of light are such that you can't actually see the light until it hits something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when we see it in, when we see sunlight, we're seeing the sun, that warmth you talked about, Part of that warmth is because the leaves are warm right now. The um, the world is a little warm, even though it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. And that's there's a contrast there. You said it was. Um, I said it was crisp. You mm-hmm. said something else. There was something. There was a bright, different... clean. Bright, clean. Yeah. yeah. That that is in contrast with warmth a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, crispness and warmth are not. You think of cool and crisp, not mm-hmm. warm and crisp. Like warm and warm and soggy, warm and soft, right. cool and crisp. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real interesting contradiction between warm and crisp. That's, that's, that's a fun thing to talk about in terms of light. And that, you know, that's that.
1: Cause I would think of bright, stretches
0: the imagination and crisp. Yeah, exactly. Like bright and like, but bright, crisp, cool and, and cold. also warm. Right. Yeah. And like, how, how is that possible? So that's light? a recipe. Yeah. It's a good, <laughs> and it's a good recipe because yeah. it's dissonant. It's mm-hmm. a dissonant recipe. Okay. Um, and But you can't actually see any of that until it, the light hits something. You know, you, you yeah. don't see light until it hits a person or a piece of scenery or outside the trees, whatever. And the two have to play really well together. Yeah.
1: Otherwise, like yeah. you said, you can kind of over, overshadow <laughs> Yeah, good pun. Very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so um, give us a little bit of background, like how right. you even got into this, this, this world of lighting
0: and... Yeah, so I started by asking you that question that I just did, mm-hmm. that put you on the spot. Um, because it was the question that was asked of me when, on a whim, in college, when I was exploring the world and my options, I took a lighting design class. And that was the question that was asked of me in that class, every, every class, every day. And it kind of blew my mind, because I was a... I came at it from a very scientific point of view. Like, I was trying to find... I was an engineering student, I was bored with it, and I was trying to find something that would excite an artistic spirit in me, but also be Mm science-based, be physics-based, because I I love, I mean, Newtonian physics is amazing. (laughs) Um, And so I was looking for this thing, and it never occurred to me that something like light, which I had a relationship with um, in terms of optics, Mm -hmm. you know, use of lenses, um, and... How it's, an, how it's a vector, you know, it bounces. And I'd never thought about it in terms of how it's harnessed artistically and how it's harnessed emotionally. And that kind of took... It took the left brain and the right brain and fused them together in a way that I was just like, this, you oh, found this your is what thing. I want to do. That's, this is, this yeah. was it. That's this awesome. was it. And I had... I was one of those, like, um, music theater, Glee Club geeks in, in high school um, who also took all the physics and math classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This, I didn't realize that they could actually come together. I had I thought, well, you know, I'm going to be an engineer and I'm going to go do that with my life and then I'll, you know, go do this other thing on the side. And it never occurred to me that they could, you could do both together. Yeah, uh, Which was amazing. That is really cool. Really lucky. How you brought the two together. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, and it was already there. And, you know, some people come at lighting design from a very artistic side. Um, you know, every painter you ever meet or every photographer you ever meet will have opinions about light, mm-hmm. uh, because they put it in their painting, so they, they need to know how that's going to work with their camera and the aperture and, you know, the, and how, how, how exposed it's going to be. Um, but I come at it from a scientific point of view, mm-hmm. which I think is really, it kind of confuses people when I start to talk about you know, angle of incidence equals angle of reflection and throw that kind of stuff at them.
1: Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, it's technical, and it's yeah. like... And you teach
0: you teach this as well, so... Yeah, um, I do. I do teach this. And I, I try to do... I try to ask that question that I ask you at least once a week. Is a semester students.
1: long enough to get everyone... Or to, to get students really understanding what it is you're talking about? I mean... No. Because uh, on, on one hand, you're like, okay, I'm going to take a class on lighting. And then you're thinking, okay, a semester. I'm, I, I'll get everything I need to know. But even just this conversation, I just feel like I don't,
0: you know how does that hopefully a semester is long enough to get people excited about it yeah okay and peaked so like so it's a survey class or yeah i mean when i teach it i i um we dive deeper i get into some of the technical stuff but i don't Mm -hmm. think it's about technical it's about uh, understanding light as a medium Mm -hmm. because i think we all intuitively understand painting as a medium you know you brush, put a brush stroke on a, on, a piece of, on a piece of canvas or something, we kind of intuitively, because we all have phones that we carry around in our pockets these days, we all kind of understand photography as a medium.
1: We're and, starting to. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's, that's <laughs> fair. But I don't think we understand light as a medium. Mm-hmm. I think we understand architecture as a medium because we have to inhabit it. We, we um, interact with it. You can touch right? it. Yeah. yeah you, you can, can touch walk it. through it's, it. Yeah. Right. Um, you interact with it. Consciously. Mm-hmm. Light you don't interact with consciously. Or most people don't. Mm-hmm. And just getting a, a person to notice mm-hmm. takes takes nine weeks. Yeah. Twelve weeks. Yeah. Because you have to, to be become sensitive. Up- or to, to start to become sensitive, I would, I guess. Well, it's a practice. And you can't do anything just once or twice and be in the habit of doing it. You mm-hmm. have to keep doing it and keep doing it and force yourself to do it or be forced to do it in the case of a, a class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully by the end of that, you're in the practice of doing it and you just kind of do it naturally. Yeah. So I don't make a, necessarily make a conscious choice to look at how the sun is coming up every morning. I just it's do It's just it. your thing. I That's, just, it's, I do it's, it. That's it's the first it, thing I groomed. do, you know, I yeah. yawn. Yeah. And look out the
1: window. So it's second nature now. It's become second nature, and and has to be. Yeah, has to be. Well, for those of you who are just joining, um, I'm talking to Colin Bells, and we're talking about lighting, and uh, we're diving into the sensitivity of it. Um, So, what? So, what comes next? Like, how? What does the process look like? Of, you know, say you're, I guess, walk us through. You know, you have a production you're doing. um, How does it even begin? Do you do you think about it on your own and you, or do you collaborate right from the beginning or like how is that is there an iterative an iterative process that goes on
0: um yes so in terms of theater or opera or anything that's got a text um with words that have meaning uh I read the words mm-hmm. and the words are gonna create meaning for me they're gonna create a different meaning for somebody else who's uh, going to be interacting with the text. and I read, I read for meaning, I read for emotion, I read for um, story too, of course, because we're all we're human, so we're looking for narrative. Um, but I'm looking for emotion and a mood because that's ultimately what I 'm going to tie into in a design. And then because there are you know at least four other collaborators, who aren't on stage in any theatrical process—the director, the set designer, the costume designer, uh, the sound designer, the lighting designer, maybe the projections designer, maybe a choreographer—and um, those are the people off stage, you know, or I guess in front of the stage. Plus, then the actors who have to actually embody it mm-hmm. and, and uh, bring it, it to life and interact with it. Um, I ha- I have to know that my ideas are going to be one of twenty. In, you know in a process, right. And so I come in with my ideas and I say, this is what it means to me, and maybe somebody disagrees, maybe they don't. Ultimately, the director is going to decide what the overarching idea needs to be. And I f- follow that usually, what the director has to say. Um, so I, I try to create my own, emo- my own emotion inside of that, mm-hmm. um, but it is about creating a mood in a space. Um, so it's highly collaborative, oh, it has to be. It has to be. Um, and the worst, you can tell. You can tell when you, when you go see a piece of theater how collaborative it has been, how seamless it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like, if, if it just kind of feels like things are happening naturally, it's usually because there's been a highly collaborative kind of back-and-forth notion, not just between the, uh, the creators, uh, who are in front of the stage, but also between the creators who are on stage mm-hmm. and who are embodying it uh, on a every day every, what was, every performance. What was your first project that dealt with lighting? Oh wow! I mean, it was in it was in a class uh, would have been my first thing, and it was just experimentation with angle. Okay, and that's a um, that's the other thing. So I'm going to go back to the um, teaching. Is that I think. W- as kind of ordinary humans, artistic humans, who are more apt to think about the color of a, of a of an object, the um, you can disagree with me if you don't think this is true, but the what the color is before we think about what the angles of it are, what the line of it is. No, I would agree with that because yeah. it's the first thing you see. Yeah, you don't have to like break right. it apart. It is what it is. So the color. Is actually not the first thing I want to look at. It's the angle because mm-hmm. angle is uh, because light is about angles. Mm-hmm. It's and it is, starts with the sun. You know, the sun at six in the morning is at a you know zero degree angle to the Earth. Um, and yes, I realize that it's the Earth moving, not the sun. But you know, from our point of view, mm-hmm. um, and over the course of the day, it travels 180 degrees um, from our perspective. And so there's so much storytelling in theater. That has to do with the angle of the light, in terms of what time of day it is, right. how, what the mood is. Mm-hmm. You know, a really low angle light is often. Well, I'm going to ask you, like, if you see something that's uplit, yeah, what does that say to you, mood-wise?
1: Um, I feel like I'm going to get this wrong, but there's <laughs> no wrong answer. It really isn't. <laughs> um, I would feel like uh, it's sunrise, like it's the, yeah. the, the very early part
0: of the day. Yeah, and if it's not associated with the natural world. Um, when you say not the natural world, well, the like human-made light sources.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, um, very like moody. There you go. I mean, Sexy yesterday type. yesterday was Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. definitely. So
0: flashlight underneath your chin. Right, a right, classic. Okay. Yeah. Right. What is that? That's right. scary. That I mean, yeah. you want to you want to do sc- something scary with a flashlight? You put it underneath. chin <laughs> And you do upright because it okay. creates shadows that don't seem natural. Yeah. Um, or that are extended, or you know, like the you know the beautiful shadow you get at sunset, where you you can just see your body like extending you know as far as you can reach you know or farther than you can reach that's that's kind of it's a really fun look mm-hmm. One yeah. of my
1: most absolute favorite colors that happens just during the day um seeing color, and I'll just say mm-hmm. it uh, and, and ever since I was um uh, probably a, a teenager. Um, I saw an ad for, it's very California sun, but it's like an ad for somebody driving in a convertible, and there's something about the sun around, I would say, four or five that just lights up everything, and and it's only there for maybe 15, 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And I think that that still, whenever I see that or feel that, um, there's something very, very special about that. Maybe yeah. that's cheesy, but that's like, that's something that I, there, I have an affinity for that
0: exact, that very specific thing. So at, this is a, um, it's not meant to be a trick question, but at four or five in the afternoon, um, what would you say the angle of the sun is to a, you standing there? Me standing. Like if, uh, you know, if you had the sundial, yeah. what would be the angle?
1: Oh, I don't know. Like the angle I, in degrees. Yeah. I don't know. 20 25,
0: 45. It's probably yeah. <laughs> I I would say that you're reacting to something that's at about a 45 degree angle. Okay. Um, because what that is is it it um, you know at like a 10 15 degree angle you get you get a really long shadow. That's where you start to get in oh your I see right right 45 degree at noon straight down. Mm-hmm. You basically have no shadow. You're kind of like it's just a pool around you and you're like standing in your own shadow. And once you get to like halfway, mm-hmm. 45 degrees. Your shadow is the same distance. uh, The same. The distance of your shadow on the ground is the same as your height. Okay. That's how. I mean, that's a. That's an equilateral triangle, right Mm -hmm. there. You've got a. You got. You're six feet tall. Your shadow's going to be six feet tall. It feels very natural and like in harmony. Mm -hmm. Because it's not distorting anything. Yeah. 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 It feels and and you kind of look at yourself and you can actually see like your silhouette Mm -hmm. on the ground that's not distorted. Yeah. And I think there's something about that like mid to late afternoon angle of light that feels really, when it's warm and bright, mm-hmm. feels really comforting. Huh. And feels... you get the same thing in the morning, but somehow what's, what is it about the morning that's different from the afternoon? To me, it's just, um, it's not, it's not as bright yet. Yeah. Okay. It's not as bright yeah. yet. It's,
1: I mean, mood wise, it's, everything's waking up and yeah. that's probably one of my favorite times. And
0: there's a color difference, quite frankly, yeah. uh, you know, in the morning, like mid morning, it tends to be a cooler. And as it's almost later. like it hasn't happened yet yeah. fully. Like yeah. That's kind of, a, if I were to say it in a mood, kind of right. describe the mood. And so this is another thing. So this is about contrast. Um, we're always comparing something to what we have just seen before. So light travels through time, mm-hmm. and um, we travel through time. And we're always remembering what we just saw. We always have the, the memory of what was before, uh, and we don't necessarily know what's coming next, but, and then we know what's in the present. So you're comparing that look of that light at four in the afternoon to what you experienced at three in the afternoon. So I would argue that it was a little cooler and a little more, um, a little more truncated in terms of your shadow at three in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually like the dissonance is resolving into something that feels more harmonious hmm. as, that, as your shadow moves. And so that's actually why, as opposed to in the morning, mm-hmm. where it's actually moving the opposite direction so that's you're like going from it's, it's right going to more like yeah. Upright. so I
1: have, I have a question mm-hmm. um, I have a question for you about your perception um, of the world around you but before we do that I want to uh, take a, a quick break um, and then we will come back and um, I will ask you this question
0: that sounds great I love trick questions <laughs> Oh, my
1: I'm Nathan Hill, and you're listening to Entrepos. Um We're talking with Colin Bills, and we are talking about lighting and stage design. Um, I, so my question for you, and it's kind of like a... It's kind of... Uh, I, I'm going to ask this, but then it's, it's also something that I feel like I can relate to in terms of graphic design. Um, and it's about your world. So because you're so sensitive to shadows and shapes and lighting... Um, like, do you see a lot of, I mean, it's natural. So do you see a lot of flaws in things? And I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question, because as someone in graphic design who is sensitive to typography, as soon as you become sensitive to type and design and, and all, all that like really should be, you look around the world and you see like awnings with horrible typography menus with heinous, you know, lettering that you can't read. And so your world actually gets a little uglier. It's, <laughs> it sounds really negative, but it's just because of it's a byproduct of you being so sensitive to something that, you know. So my question is like, what is your day? Like what does your world look like? Are you constantly saying, Ugh, I can't wait till four
0: o'clock because right now it's just I hate this. <laughs> so um, in terms of natural light and mm-hmm. the natural world, no. Because that's it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. I don't I don't right. have any control over that. And you have to you have to take the gloomy overcast days with the beautiful I'm like today Mm -hmm. the beautiful crisp fall days together and that's part of the human experience um you know everybody not everybody but I certainly do and many people get you know seasonal depression because of the lack of light in the winter you know um Papa's vitamin D pills yeah (laughs) and it's but we can't really control the sun right so that's so I don't. So you, I'm not its not get upset so nature. About that. It's not nature, but, but nature it's, is nature. It's probably so more like human-made. Yes, lighting, there you go. On the other hand, is which is a better um, parallel because what I'm reacting to is human-made, yes, right? Um, let's let's start by saying um, in cities, especially, uh, they are entirely overlit. We entirely overlight and overexpose our environment. Is that light pollution? It's more than just light pollution. I mean, it is light pollution. Light pollution is one of the um, products of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it gets in the way of our natural rhythms. You know, Mm -hmm. like we're supposed to... It's supposed to feel darker at night. It's Mm -hmm. not supposed to feel like daytime during the night. And for all sorts of reasons in cities, you know, for commerce, for um, safety... Safety, yeah. Yeah, for... um, for all sorts of reasons, you know, we we overlight the night, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I get really upset when I see trees lit up. Like, you know, there's like an architectural thing to uplight trees to like, and it it's beautiful. Oh, you mean gonna... okay, uplighting trees, not wrapped yeah. around like. No, I mean that's I don't love that either, but, um, <laughs> but uplighting trees because it's not that's not what they're supposed to do. You're not supposed to trees aren't supposed to be lit. Trees are supposed to. Do you think the tree hates it? I would think so, yeah,
1: yeah, probably,
0: yeah, it's like it
1: wants to go to bed and here's well, this they light do, and there's, like, there's
0: you know <laughs> it it, it, get, it interrupts the cycles of the birds, and you know like there's all sorts of yeah. yeah we we're we in an urban environment, this is very difficult mm-hmm. because we have to have light mm-hmm. and we you know we work well past uh sunset mm-hmm. and uh and well before sunrise, and so we have to have light, but mm-hmm. on the whole we Overcompensate for the amount of light we actually need. We do um, too much. Yeah, ah, I feel like that's a yeah. the theme lately about yeah. us humans. I think and we so, do too much. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is, um, it, and it hasn't been a sudden thing. It might feel sudden, but it has not been a sudden thing. Is that this? You know, people were saying this when the light bulb was first invented and was first coming into the world. You know. Um, oh, they're so bright, they're so harsh compared to candlelight or gaslight. Um, it's not, I can't, it's too much. I can't have all this. And then eventually people got used to it. And the That's same thing is, because we're in like a real, we're in the middle of a real change in terms of how we light our envirom- environments. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've moved from the incandescent light bulb to color-changing LEDs. Well, see, and- so I'm glad you brought that up because
1: LEDs are, I hate them. They cast this blue light and it's just really fake and it's really weird and... I really hate
0: it. Yeah, so they're um, they're I mean, different, no, and they're used. They're not necessarily used well, mm-hmm. but they um, are more energy efficient, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. and the science of them is great. Um, and there's warmer ones. There's warmer. You can control the color of anything. You know, you put a little dab of paint on it, or you know, oh yeah, or put go. a put a gel in front of it. And yeah, you can change the color of the of the LED. And yes, mm-hmm. LEDs come in different colors. Um, And most of where a lot of LED lighting started was trying to mimic daytime light, Mm -hmm. which compared to um, you know a forty-watt light bulb is so much colder. I mean, the daytime light versus maybe that's what I'm describing as blue. It's colder. Well, it is blue because because sunlight, in comparison, in contrast to an incandescent light bulb or a candle light flame, is way bluer. And so it feels unnatural, especially in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. and it feels harsh. Mm-hmm. And harsh is the word. Yeah, it feels harsh. And but often we don't. I just don't think people think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, people they think don't, about. Well, they just turn the lights so do, on they, and then they do they, or they see? Because I feel like they don't.
1: They probably don't think about it in the way that like they can't describe it. But like they probably are like, I don't, you know, their mood changes. Their yeah. mood has to change.
0: Yes, I believe that that's true. And
1: I think that maybe they don't realize that that's changing their mood. Like for me, um, I know we talked in a previous conversation, like, you know, my habit when I come home is I turn down all the lights and like my favorite thing is I'll throw, I'll throw, you know, so, you know, get the fireplace started and then I'll put the candles on and then I'll like turn, I mean, it sounds very moody, but it's like, and then I'll turn all the lights down as low as they can go to where I can see and be comfortable, but that's like my evening mode, right? Yep. And then my partner will come home and he turns everything onto the brightest. Like every room is an operating theater, and so it's like you know we have very different. But that will change my mood. Like nobody's business. If the if I walk into the kitchen and it is so bright, it it like ah like. So what is I the mood? Don't be picky, but
0: what is the mood you're going for?
1: Because you're being intentional. There. I want to be warm. I want the yellow orange. That's what I want. Yeah, but what's the mood? What's the, the mood, emotion? Um, slowing down. Okay. I want to slow down. Um, you know, it's like I want my bedtime tea and like <laughs> reading a book. I just want comfortable after a long day. That's what I want. Comfortable. Yeah, slow down. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, he's in law school right now, so he's reading. He's got to be up. He needs to be. He can't be. He can't be
0: like. So the mood <laughs> slow he wants is, is is bright on. Yeah, you know, it's is on ready mine is to go. At <laughs> attention. Yeah. Well, and that's bright light does that. Yeah. Bright cool light does that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I cook, I have. Like I have, well, I actually, my kitchen has five different light switches, um, based on based on where I am and what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, where my where my task lighting is versus the the, um, uh, the kind of mood lighting in the kitchen, and I want it to be bright because you know if I'm chopping carrots with a knife, (laughs) I don't want warm relaxed. Lighting. Okay. I okay. want to add attention light so I don't cut my finger
1: off. See, I'm usually I'm usually I've got some some low key music on and I'm drinking some wine and I'm cutting my carrots in the in the dark. <laughs> it's very it's not moody. a life choice. It's... <laughs>
0: Probably not. But that's that's so. So I mean, you've just described two different moods and our and your approach and your partner's approach towards creating those two moods, mm-hmm. whether it's intentional or not. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like yours is intentional and I don't, well, I won't speak for your partner. But his is intentional because he says, I need to see, damn it. And that's it. (laughs) Right. It's like, he's not, he's not thinking about all the other stuff. Right. Well, and and seeing is an important part of lighting. It's most people would say it's the most important part of lighting, but it Mm. is. That's why we have it. But that, and I think that's why we overcompensate in the overlit at night Mm -hmm. because we're, we're afraid of the dark. We should be afraid of the dark. Bad things happen in the dark, so <laughs> you know. Um, well, so they we, ca- they can, they can, they can. Uh, but bad things happen during the day too. But yeah, so. it's um, it's the un- it's the not knowing, it's the yeah. unknown. Yeah, yeah. So the unknown is a really good part of lighting design. Um, and there's a term called selective visibility that is kind of it's it's. It's the principal bedrock term in lighting design. It's, it's about how you show an audience what they're supposed to see, but it's also about how you show an audience what they're not supposed to see. So mm-hmm. if you see everything, it's, it's what it's exposed, mm-hmm. it's um, clear, um, there's no mystery. If you see half of an object... What is that? What's the? Move? It's incomplete. It's, it's incomplete. It's, it's
1: uh, yeah. I mean, you you kind of have to make up
0: the the other half. Uh, yeah. with your imagination. Your imagination has to fill in the blanks. So if the context of the uh, of the action on stage is already kind of creepy, and then you're only seeing half of a of a person's uh, figure, mm-hmm. you're going to fill in the blank of, oh, it's this is getting creepier. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you only see a quarter of that. It moves from like half, you only see half of the image, half of the uh, figure, and then it moves to a quarter of the figure. Oh, it's getting creepier. Something bad is going to happen mm-hmm. or something off.
1: Which I think we've lost. Yeah, like that. that's the, the, the beautiful thing about, I think, um, stage um, performances versus um, cinema is that I think we just spoon feed everything now and it's kind of like, you know, there's no mystery. There's no right. um, intrigue in terms of like it used to be anyway. If I'm comparing to like say like I mean we're talking moody, so like if you're looking at like Hitchcock or something, there's a sure. lot of stuff that you know happened. You never saw the scene. You know what happened, and just the understanding that this thing happened to this person is terrifying. Right, and, 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 and it, upsetting. And this but you have to see
0: it, and this is where so film noir, Hitchcock, or any anybody who um, any filmmaker who inhabits that world. Is using the, the frame of the camera mm-hmm. as in the same way that a lighting designer with a sta- with a full stage uses frames to tell you what you're supposed to see and what we're purposefully not letting you see. So things that happen off camera, you know, like in Psycho, mm-hmm. um, you, don't, you don't see any of that, of the approach of uh-uh. in the bathroom. Scene. Right. You, you hear it in the music. Um, and you, but you don't see it, and it's creepier because it's off camera. Like if, if well, and that each of shot... us experiences it a different way because we right. fill in the blank in a different right. way. Right. So in theater, you don't actually have that. We can't we can't move a camera to to uh, move the audience's gaze. Mm-hmm. So we use lighting in the same way that a cinematographer uses the movement of the camera. So if stage half of the stage is lit, that's where you're going to look.
1: Right. Something, you know, now we're talking about Hitchcock. I want to bring this up because I, it, it, it's something that I recognized a long, long time ago. There's this movie, Topaz, and um, um, it was in the early 60s, I think. Um, but he, it was very interesting because the second time I watched this movie, I started to notice what he did with lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, he put a purple gel over some of the lights and it cast a purple shadow on on some of the objects throughout the entire movie. And it was something that I think was so subtle, but it tied in with the entire thing. It's like, just this purple light on, and you would see it on the side of lamps, and it was it was nothing in your face. It wasn't overt. It was just it was to me. It was like I got excited because it's like craft. It's like there's something there that
0: was very interesting. So let, let's break that down for a second. Um, did you see any purple light on, say, like uh, a human? Or was Not really. It just, no, yeah. it was really
1: just the so this just is objects.
0: This is a concept in um, in theater lighting. That is known as coloring the shadows. So basically, you um, you use two different colors, usually contrasting colors, to um, to light an object or a person, mm-hmm. such that the shadow in the shadow you see the other color, which is how you achieve that idea of a okay. purple mm-hmm. of a purple. So you know there's a purple light because it's but because it's um, you can't see it as well. Mm-hmm. You only see it when there's a shadow. Mm-hmm. You only see it when there's no light. Okay which is really, that's a really yeah. interesting way to think about how lighting works. Um, and you see this especially you know, you see this kind of thing in rock concerts, you know, like, um, the multicolored backlight on the, on the person singing. And then you see like, often it's like red, blue, green, and you right. see different shadowed colors, different colored shadows on the, uh, on the stage floor. Mm-hmm. That's, it creates a kind of excitement. It's a really, it, cause it's not right. It's not natural. Right. Uh, and sometimes it can be off-putting, and sometimes it can be really exciting. It's color is exciting. So, um, what are what are some projects that you're working
1: on now, and what are some upcoming things you've got going on? Um,
0: so, I I do a lot of different things. So, I um, in addition to being a designer, I'm also a production manager for. Uh, an organization called the Washington Revels, which has um, which celebrates uh, seasonal uh, changes. Mm-hmm. So their their big celebration is is around the winter solstice, which is all about the end of light, at the end of the year, and the bringing back of the light at the as the new year dawns. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how that's that's like my church. It's the way I kind of inhabit spirituality is through um, seasonal changes and through um, how the light shifts over the course of the year, uh, and so of course, because it's in December, it ends up having Christmas themes and holiday themes. But it's more about the solstice, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So that is what I'm kind of actively working on right now because it's now November, which means we're supposed to be working on Christmas stuff. Right. And um, but also, I'm, I'm also looking towards uh, the new year and what's happening in the new year for myself because we're all in the planning. You know, a normal kind of theatrical process takes you know nine to 18 months in terms of you know initial thinking and gestation and talking uh, and then we get into the nitty-gritty you know three months out where we have to actually start like putting things on paper and getting drawings in and all that kind of stuff so this is a long way of answering your question about it. so i'm right now i'm thinking about the things that are not necessarily happening like tomorrow i'm thinking about the things that are happening yeah. in january and february that makes sense um, I'm working on *Spring Awakening* at Roundhouse Theater. I am uh, working on a play called *Sheltered* at Theater J, and there's two more that have now escaped my mind. But you're busy for after the for after the new year because it's um, your schedule is booked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's cool. it's um, in order to make a living as a lighting designer, because of the um, the way theater in the United States works, or not-for-profit theater in the United States works, it, There's. I'll, I'll be working on uh, a minimum of 12 shows a year, so one a month. Okay. But ideally 18. Yeah. Like one and a half a month. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I have multiple plays in my head at any mm-hmm. one time, and multiple, multiple designs in my head at any one time. And, for instance, I'll be at a different level of engagement with each of those pieces <laughs> of theater. You know, one is like way in the back because I've read it I'm just like letting the ideas percolate and every once in a while I'll bring it to the floor like when I have to have a meeting about it and um, then there's the moment where like the set design is, is created where I actually have to think about how light interacts with the set because you know, like I said before light doesn't exist until it hits something well what's the thing it's going to hit that's going to be the most have the greatest impact is you know a, a set Mm-hmm. The, the, the architecture of the space uh, so I have to be thinking about that so that's kind of like in the middle of my head or like two thirds of the way back and then about a third of the way back is, is then actually creating the lighting design which is um, you know any show might have uh, between 100 and 400 or maybe up to 600 lighting fixtures in the air so hmm. here's something that nobody Corey thinks graphed. about look, look up yeah. the next time you go to any kind of like performance venue just look up and see what all the gear is up there mm-hmm. because there's normally a lot more than you realize uh, and that I think surprises people yeah that, that they don't necessarily realize how much that takes now with LEDs kind of more in the in being in, the, in our toolbox you can actually reduce because the color changes with the LED you know, oh right so you mm-hmm. don't have to have like five you have to switch to a different yeah. module or... right um fixture and so put but anyway that all that has to be put down on paper and drafted yeah uh, and put into planned out out and and given to um, a team of electricians um, and rental packages and all that kind of stuff and then negotiated because it's over budget or whatever right and um, value engineer yeah exactly like to say exactly and then the you know and then so that's what's in the you know front third of my mind and then at the top of my mind is what I'm actually implementing right now yeah yeah Hmm. luckily right now I'm not implementing anything <laughs> which is why I can sit and have a relaxed conversation with you
1: well I'm glad I'm glad we were able to um, I feel like I want to do like a part two of this just because I feel like there's a oh whole we've only other, well I mean only you asked the question to begin with
0: you know what is what do we achieve in a semester yeah well we just notice in the first semester right you might get to a few technical things but it's really noticing hmm. um, and realizing right because that's been my journey mm-hmm. is just was realizing that it existed and was a force of what's literally a force of nature, but mm-hmm. it's a force of our beings and our emotions. I'm glad you said the emotional
1: part. Cause I, I mean that, I think that's true. It's, it's very true. And this has been a very enlightening conversation. Uh-huh. Um, I know, right. Another pun. I got two in today. Um, Thank you so much, Colin, for joining me and and, and sharing what you do and, and giving us some insight into the world of lighting.
0: You're welcome. I'm always glad to talk about light. Thanks.